This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Untamed Heritage, the unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining and informative fashion as only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Texas raised hunting products, the scent gods. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, calling his calls made. Double nickel taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Now here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Once again, we are on the Hargrove Ranch, close to, uh, well, in Kent, in Scarry County, I guess it is, down south of Lubbock, here with uh, this evening after having another fantastic meal and having a round of uh, possibly a little bit of adult libations, a little safe water to make sure the water doesn't hurt us. and, and uh, you know, you can't be too safe on those kind of things sometimes. But uh, Mr. Brian McCummy, an outdoor writer, as I mentioned, who's absolutely a, a fabulous writer and has been around this field for a long, long time. And then we've got David and Craig Archer with Hargrove Ranches. Uh, Craig pretty much runs the hunts, and David, I think, takes care of a whole lots of things while he's here. And uh, guys, we've been here for the last <laughs> several days, and Brian, you're, you not only came and hunted whitetail earlier you also came back and now you hunted mule deer is that correct yeah that's right i was here oh two and a half weeks ago um on a, on a media hunt actually and uh took a pretty nice whitetail um and uh went home on a saturday and i think the next saturday i got in my vehicle and drove back down here <laughs> you liked it down here did you <laughs> i did i do this this is actually my uh third hunt here at Hardgrove Ranch. Yes, sir. I was here in the spring doing turkeys and hogs, and uh, the whitetail hunt a couple weeks ago, and now this mule deer hunt. It's kind of a special place, isn't it? Oh, it's great. It's it's really awesome, and you know the uh, the landscape here just goes from 
all these deep red canyons and ravines to uh, more or less kind of high desert, and it's it's really beautiful. I lo- I, I I really do love West Texas. I think somebody that may have come through here many, many years ago that was riding through the shinery because I think this country's had shinery in it a long time <clears throat> and would come to one of those edges and go, oh, my God, where did this come from with these deep cuts? Yeah, right. You're from up north. Yeah, I uh, live in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Who do you write for, Brian? I know you write for a lot of different publications. You do a lot of things with the NRA. I'm very aware of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a field editor for the NRA's American Hunter magazine. So I do a lot of things for them and for the websites, um, and I write for some other of the NRA websites, um, American Rifleman Online, America's First Freedom Online, where I do some political stuff. Um, Hunter's Leadership Forum, also an NRA with, with Karen. website. Yeah, with Karen. And, um, and then I write for other um, websites like uh, Guns America, Digest, and hump365.com. Um, print, you know, I'm, I'm actually about 80% web now. You know, I certainly started off in print, but as the magazines have shrunk and in some cases died off, I've had to uh, adjust. And, uh, it, it's, it's been interesting. I've been involved, you know, from the writing perspective for a long, long time, too, uh-huh. and I find myself having done the same thing. But you're right. A lot of the publications are very thin if they're still in paper. Yeah. And several of them have gone away. Yeah, and, <clears throat> you know, as you said, thin. You know, a lot of the magazines that are out there are, oh, half the size that they were 20 years ago. So there's just not as many writing opportunities in a lot of them. And uh, I have a mortgage, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I found myself switching over, you know, per, pretty steadily the last few years. And uh, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm a writer. I want to keep writing. And You have to learn to adapt. Got, you got to adapt, you know. But, I mean, I, and I still write for print magazines. Uh, right. You know, and I, I actually do a fair amount for some of the industry magazines, Um Shooting sports retailer, hunting retailer. Uh, I'm a contributing editor for Shot Business. So I got got my hands on that too, and I do some press releases and some blogs for different companies, some marketing things. And I know that you were here with the Trigicon guys to start with. Well yeah, too. right. Yeah, the, we, we talked in a previous, e- uh, previous email. We talked in a previous <laughs> podcast a little bit about... Uh, their involvement here, particularly with this ranch, and, and uh, what a great place it is to field test different things. And I know that you were here, you, you, you've been here for the hunts that you missed, but you're also here trying to shoot a hog as well, too. And, and yeah, I'll have to tell you, after uh, seeing the mule deer that you shot, I'm a little bit jealous of what you shot. Tell me a little bit about that hunt as well, too. The uh, mule deer? The, the desert mule deer hunt here, yes, sir. Well, we started on Monday, uh, myself and my guide, Trey Archer, David's son, and um, we walked, and we walked (laughs) (laughs) up and down canyons and out to points, and, you know, initially we just didn't see anything, and uh, we kept going back, and then we'd see a doe, and we'd say, there's got to be a buck here, and I'm thinking, yeah, right, (laughs) because we've walked this thing three times. (laughs) And then we did start to see the bucks, but we, you know, and we had we had a couple days there, where the uh, weather 
really didn't cooperate. It got pretty cold. Yeah, it was pretty cold. Really, really, really windy. windy. Yeah, really, it really windy. was. And uh, but we just stuck with it. And then um, Thursday afternoon, we spotted a deer, and I think it was the deer I eventually killed on Friday. But when we first saw it, we had the sun kind of in our eyes, and we looked at it, and he was about 250 yards away in, in some cedar. I thought I, I wanted to shoot it. <laughs> Trey said, ah, he looks kind of young to me. I'm like, okay, okay. And uh, then uh, we, we came back Friday morning, last morning of the hunt, and we parked in that same area. And we got out and we started walking the canyons and we ended up walking five miles. And as we came back, we were, I, 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 I could see the truck. And uh, Trey said, there's some does up there on that ridge. And so we got in position and that buck was there. And then he went over the ridge and uh, we just started hiking Stock put a stock on him, went around the ridge line, came up. We thought, we thought we'd lost him. All of a sudden, he pops up, um, kind of chased him down a little bit. The problem was we had those does in there, and we were pretty sure if we pushed a little too hard, those yeah, does sure. would bust us and you know run. Right. And we just kept going and uh, trying not to trip and fall and make too much noise. <laughs> and eventually, that buck did see us, and he and he looked at us. And he kind of cocked his head, and he turned, and he started trotting away, and I thought, well, this is done. We're over. It's done deal. Yeah. But he trotted about 50 yards and stopped behind some cedars, and, you know, we kept moving up and getting in position. I had some shooting sticks, and eventually um, he he started to trot away again, and I thought, well, this is it. We were like 45 yards away at that point, and he started trotting away, and I thought, no way. <laughs> and I shot Hit him. Uh, he did the kick, so I knew it was a solid hit. And we actually took one more. We one more to put him down for good. But we, you know, we found him 50 yards from there. And uh, and then we got to him, and I'm like, "This is the deer from yesterday, right?" And he goes, "Yeah." I go, "He's not three and a half years old." <laughs> <laughs> and Trey said, "I I think you're right." <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> so I was really thrilled. I mean, he's he's a really nice buck. He is Good a size. He's a superb buck. At this point, I'm going to skip Craig real quick because I'm going to go to David because when y'all called, I happened to be here, and you and I went to help go retrieve the deer. You mentioned being able to see the deer. I mean, you can see the truck. Right. What you failed to mention was that really deep canyon. <laughs> <laughs> That was between them. So we went over with, uh, with what do you call that, a UTV or an ATV? I'm not sure. Pretty much a four-wheel mule, whatever you want to call right. it. And I ended up getting it on two wheels twice. <laughs> <laughs> I got out before he did that. I will yeah. tell you. And finally worked our way around through some thick stuff. And we're able to, I mean, it took a while. I know when we left, it was over two hours before we retrieved it, so. Right. But save me from getting a hernia. I think all of us, actually. <laughs> I think that was the next option. We finally walked up here. I told him, I said, well, we got salt, we got pepper, we got about three or four forks and a knife. It looks like we're going to eat this sucker oh, right yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, but. We got to it, and actually coming out was a lot easier than going in. That was what was yeah. funny. Yeah. So. Well, you you tried to get to that spot, what, at least a couple of different ways? Yes, sir. Could not do it. 
Yep, and uh, just finally went around the far end and weeded away around, and it was a lot better than down the bottom where I hit a roadblock. So, right. it was a good deal. Brian, I'm glad he got an awesome mule deer uh, along with his other game he has taken. Yeah, you kind of, I don't know what the slam is here, but I think you probably shot whatever that might be considered a slam because, let's see, you shot turkey here before, right? Yeah, I, I, I took a uh, Rio Tom in the spring. So you took the turkey, and then you took a white-tailed deer. I did. Took a mule deer. Right. Shot a coyote? Two. Two coyotes. I'm not going to ask you how many hogs. <laughs> Five. Five. <laughs> so. And, and, and two all dads. And, and two all dads. And, and two all dads. <laughs> that's right. So uh, I can't think of anything else out here. That I, I think we're going to get him to get the skunk under the bathroom later <laughs> on the night. Is that his job for the rest of the trip? <laughs> That'll complete the grand slam. With a snare. With, with a snare. Oh, doctor, with a snare. <laughs> right. I don't think we want to film that, nor do I think I want to be real close to it when it happens. <laughs> no, this has been a great hunt. I mean, I, I got here a, a day, day and a half early and started on the hogs. And then um, Trey and I killed a couple of coyotes and we ran into some awdad. And, you know, then it was like, well, this is great, but I got to get a mule deer because that's my assignment. <laughs> <laughs> And that's when we got got a little more serious on the mule. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, he's an absolutely beautiful. He is, he is beyond that three and a half years of age, yes. no doubt. He is really, really pretty. And like I said, the circumstances where you shot him back here in that country and how you hunted him. It wasn't like you just drove out there, there he is, bang, you know. And, right. Which can happen. And uh, I'm hoping that may still happen tomorrow where we just call him, there he is, shoot him kind of thing. We're hoping. Well, Trey actually has one of those uh, exercise apps on his phone. Oh, yes. And when we got done, he started adding up the miles, and he's, apparently we, we walked like 23 and a half miles over the course of the week, which, you know, if, if, if you're hunting mountain goats in British Columbia, that's probably a day and a half. But sometimes, but there's time I've yeah. go to where I mean, it was like a you once you got into where you're going, you had like maybe yeah. a mile, a mile and a half that you went, and it was only you know outside when you weren't mm -hmm. on horses or something, you know, right. you, maybe you covered three miles total. So, well, so, you, so but, yeah, we did a lot of walking, in fact. And then when I got my muley, um, he pulled out the app and started doing the calculations, and he said. We walked five miles today. I said, we walked five miles to come back to the truck <laughs> to kill my deer. I said, we... okay. Appar apparently we had to walk the five miles so that the buck would come up. Because yeah, sure. we actually checked that canyon first. And we saw a couple of does, but we couldn't see anything else. And so we headed back to the, to the far reaches of the ranch. Yes, sir. Um, and he was on the way back. By the time we got back... I. I assume he was there the whole time, just laying up, hiding. But I guess we had to put in the, we had to put in the walking to earn it, right? The answer is most likely yes. He was laying there right between those two does, and just you didn't, you didn't see. Yeah, Craig, it's amazing how and uh, David, you know, we've looked at several canyons. I've hunted with both of you on this trip, and you, you don't see anything, and then a few minutes later. There they are. These deer have a means and ways of hiding in, almost in, you would think in the wide opening, yet 
describe some of this country that you have here. This is well, an unbelievably fantastic country in a lot of different ways. It is. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, we've said we have the shinnery. And I mean, right. a lot of people, they think that the shinnery is going to be shin high. Well, actually, there's probably two or three different varieties out here. So it goes from shin high, then it goes to waist high, and then it goes to chest high. And then you have your mots on top of that. So there's always shinnery, even when you're heading down to the breaks in the river country. Again, you know, we've talked before about this ranch being on the double mountain fork of the Brazos yes, River. Right. And whenever you come out of head south on getting to Kent County and you're coming south and you hit that double mountain fork, it's like a different world. I mean, you come into big crevices and you come into washes and breaks and and then you get into big cedars and you get into shinnery up on the tops of the of those little little points. Uh, the headers are deep, deep crevices. Uh, you know, those deer, you know, you think they'd lay around those rims. Shoot, no, those stinkers go all the way to the bottom sometimes, you know, and mm-hmm. and if you really want to break them out of there, I mean, you, you just, you got to go get them, and you know, it's it's no Colorado, but it's a lot rougher than Colorado in some points and places. Uh, you know, I've been I've been close to the pickup 300 yards and have to ride a mile and a half on horseback just to get around the crevices to get back to the track right. again, mm-hmm. because there's no other way to get it back. Uh, so you know, it's it's a uh, it's its own unique world for sure, and uh, we uh, we get to play in it every day. It, it's absolutely beautiful. It is. I mean, because of the, the vegetation, of course, to some extent. But you look across there, and as you just mentioned, you think it, it's not. And none of this country is flat there. No. But you look from one point across an area, and, and you start walking that way. Next thing you know, you're looking at a 30, 40 foot crevasse that okay. just kind of almost goes straight down. Exactly. But in the process of looking at all that, you've got all this red soil, red sandstone, sandstone and then yeah. various type of crystalline type things right. that are here. So. Right. A lot of jip, a lot of jip. That's what I was talking about, yep. a lot of jip, yes, and sir. And then, you know, and the one thing that we talked about is, you know, when we describe this country, people are like, well, what are the deer eating on? Well, you and I discussed how much of Fedra is in this country. It, 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 exactly. It, it's commonly called Mormon's tea. Yes. And uh, it doesn't have much of a leaf on it at all. It doesn't really kind of stem, but... I've come to a lot of country, looked at a lot of country as a wildlifeologist as well, too. I've never been on property that has as much ephedra as what this place does right mm-hmm. here. And it's it's from the top all the way down to the bottom. bottom. Yeah, and you know, that's just fabulous deer browse. Oh, it's this top deer browse there is, particularly when you're talking about mule deer. Mule deer, they, they absolutely love it. So, I mean, you know, you, I don't know what that percentage of their diet would be, but I'm sure where they stay and where they're at, you know, they're... That's probably a majority of it. And one of the things, we, you've got quite a few deer here, but one of the things that I noticed because there is so much of that ephedra, very few places except for maybe right around the house where you get a bunch of house does that come in, there's no sign of, of, of browsing. You can't really even see that they browsed on it. The other thing is we're coming into the wintertime right now, and you've got this little bitty kind of red-lined, uh, veined 
plant that sits right on the ground called fillery, fillery. and it is an absolutely fantastic feed we were watching for those does this afternoon remember how they were just hit on the ground oh, yeah. eating and eating and eating and that's what they were doing picking up that little stuff that run it runs right along the ground but it's a fabulous deer browse as well, well you, too you know and on years that we get moisture i mean that that as well is, is just fabulous cattle feed you know because it's gonna it's gonna bulk up and it won't be a flat plant right. anymore you know it gets more leafy almost like a lettuce oh yes sir it gets into the right <laughs> so, now we're just in these early growth growth stages right now but uh, yes sir Hey, we, we, we saw several bucks, and we were hunting this afternoon, and, and hunting mule deer primarily. I shot a really nice old six-point whitetail that Craig and I kind of been hunting for the last couple, three years, and finally got him put on the ground, and we were able to film it for the uh, uh, TV show for uh, Tritchicon's World of Sports and Field. But this afternoon, finally got rid of the camera guy, and I mean that in a respectful manner, and we started... Uh, we actually got to go out and hunt because there's hunting and then there's hunting for television. And the two, to me, are, are very dissimilar. So what, what did we see this afternoon? Oh, I, I guess it was around 2 o'clock. The whitetail bucks exploded on us. Every corner we turned, there was a whitetail buck. And you got a monster eight. I mean, beautiful shot through a bunch of stuff, but... Uh, of course, I thought you were shooting a coyote. <laughs> <laughs> kind of surprised me there. I only saw a doe, but uh, it, it, it turned out to be a beautiful deer. And I mean, it was like we, we these bucks just turned on. They did. We we found numerous bucks chasing does this afternoon out roaming around, and the deer that you mentioned is we were down close to the river. Yes, sir. And to that first floodplain where it kind of comes up a little bit, and there's a bluff that runs pretty much along that way, and lots and lots of very dense, thick brush. And I happened to see that doe, and noticed there was a buck behind her, and and I was using a um, Trichicon ten mile scope with which cranks all the way up to eighteen power. And the beauty of those variables sometimes is that you can sit there and you can crank that scope up as you go and you can kind of pick your way, pick a spot, you know, through all that brush uh, to put a bullet through. And I was able to find this one little spot that I could do that with by just kind of guiding, you know, using that as a kind of a focus kind of thing. So we hit him and, and uh, he took off running. Yep, good shot. Didn't run very far. <laughs> no, no, he did. We found that old crew. <laughs> Told David, I said, you know, I hit him, I think, but he ran off. And so we kind of went to where he was, where he'd been, and kind of cut across a little bit, found blood trail, and you could tell it was good, good lung blood. Right off did. the bat. And he kind of went a little way, and then he kind of went up this one little rise. And I'm going, it's not real good for, I don't like seeing one go uphill, you know. <laughs> about that time we looked, and he had just got up maybe about six foot above us, and, you know, yep. he was laying there, right? Spun around was laying right there beside us. <laughs> beautiful deer. Beautiful this, deer. this catcher produces some really nice whitetail in, in terms of uh, racks, but also I, I know one thing about these deer, having taken deer here in the past, Brian, these deer are absolutely fantastic when it comes to the table. They're, yeah. they're out of this world. And I think part of that comes in from, they do eat a lot of weeds here. They do. And, you know, like we were talking about earlier, when we get good rainfall here, you have good weed years, and when, or forbs, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, and uh, uh, they really put on weight. We saw some we saw some white-tailed does that I swear looked unbelievably huge body-wise. Mm -hmm. they, they were deep through the chest. They were long. Mm -hmm. They were 
unbelievably fat. Well, this know, this think... part of the country really puts on great brow tines. You know what? You're right. I, I come oh, to think of that, both I shot two deer, and that six point that I shot, and he had about seven or eight inch brow tines. This buck that I shot today, he had probably about right at five inch brow tines. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've seen some monstrous brow tines in this country compared to the hill country where I lived most of my life. Uh, up here, the brow tines are just tremendous. They really are. I mean, from <laughs> what we've seen, they're out of this world good. You two guys, I'm talking about you and your brother. Uh, I assume he's the younger one? Yes, sir. And the better looking one. <laughs> he, I, I'm hunting with both of you guys tomorrow. I ain't going to answer that either way. So. <laughs> David's over here going, oh my God. <laughs> Larry, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I am not getting. Brian, Brian, Brian's leaving tomorrow. We'll let Brian make that decision. He that I'm pretty sure Brian's not making a call on anything. <laughs> I, I think they're both really cute. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, give you that tw- I'll give you that 20 under the table. Right. <laughs> no, you can tell he does a lot of work for the NRA. Yeah, but you say, well, he gets to come back. <laughs> but both of you guys have hunted almost all your life. I've, I've had the pleasure of, of sitting around in, in the evening and while we're hunting and, and listening to hunting stories from, from both of you. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got one uh, that I... Craig and I were in Bend, Texas one day, and we were driving uh, this 49 Ford uh, with a stick shift on the column. Yes. And we're going along there, and he goes, and the cedar trees grew over this road, and uh, they'd hit right about the top of the windshield. And he's like, look at that. And we look, and there's like almost a six-foot rattlesnake laid across these limbs. Right at eye level there. And I go to slam on the brakes. We go to grab our 22s, and we're jumping out of the truck. Well, he's a little faster than I was back then, and he runs around the front of the truck. Well, I went to jump out and forgot to take it out of gear, and I ran <laughs> I ran over him. <laughs> All I could see is he's grabbing on the front of the hood, sliding under it as it's going forward. And uh, I finally stopped, and I had to go help him out from under it. <laughs> and, we, and we got the rattlesnake. I was going to ask you what happened to the snake, yes, but yes. obviously we did get it. Yes, there. we did get the rattlesnake. But, yeah, that was kind of uh, one of our stories, fun <laughs> stories. But, uh, we had a good time with that. <laughs> Excuse me, you mentioned the six-foot rattlesnake. There are a lot of folks out there that probably think there is no such thing. Huh. They just haven't been at the right place in yeah, Texas, have they? Yeah, I've uh, seen many at six foot. Uh, Most of them aren't, aren't talked about. They're just killed and be done with them. Well, we've got areas where we have really big rattlesnakes here in Texas. I mean, yes. there's some areas, particularly in some areas of South Texas and oh, yeah. some of that, that lower country that they call the King Ranch country down there. I've seen snakes there that just are absolutely scary when it comes to rattlesnakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it seems like you never, ever see a snake in that lower sandy country down there or that lower King Ranch country that's less than two and a half to three feet long. Mm-hmm. Seems like they're hats born or whatever, you know, <laughs> that, about that size. But uh, we were fortunate here. We did not see any snakes. You know, I really, I think that has to do with the hog population here. 
You know, I had, uh, fortunately, we were close to Sweetwater, where they have right, the Sweetwater right, right, Rattlesnake right. Roundup. So I've got guys every year in the spring, they come out and they go find dens and rattlesnake hunt. And they have told me that they'll go back to the dens every year, but on a drier year, they'll go up to those dens and those hogs have dug into those dens and they kill all those rattlesnakes and eat them. Hmm. And they'll wipe out a whole whole den of rattlesnakes. So I think we don't, we have some, some rattlesnakes, but as a whole, the biggest one I've ever killed out here has been about four foot long and they're not very big big around right, they're not right. they're not big snakes at all no. up here uh but they're, they're still aggressive yeah they can be <laughs> particularly about the time they start shedding their skin exactly. they, they, i mean they're they're spooky during that time frame the hogs let's talk a little bit about the hogs how long have there been hogs in this country you, as long in, as any I number know. i guess as should. long as i as long as i've been yeah. around which is which i've been here for going on 12 years right but They've been here forever, as far as I can tell. Uh, they're, you know, they they breed and they breed and they breed <laughs> and they have more babies and they have yes. more babies. Yes. And, uh, you know, well, you and I have sat down and had that discussion about how much of a predator the hogs really are. Uh, you know, for years I've told you that my fawn crop every year is, is 11 to 15%. Uh, Brian and I were discussing this today and, and and you know, I'm assuming that an average fawn crop should be 30 to 40 percent. But when you're talking about dropping down to a 11 to 15 percent fawn crop, buddy, we got a problem. You do, you do. And so, uh, Brian, the pig slayer, <laughs> is, uh, is you know that's part of the thing. You know, when people come out here to hunt, I don't put a limit on how many pigs you can no. No. You know, I prefer you get your animal of choice first, but, you know, after that, free game on the pigs just because, well, I mean, you've driven around with us this week. I mean, we've seen groups of 15, 20 hogs, you know, just just coming back to the house for breakfast in the morning. So, you know, we, we recognize we have a problem. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever be able to totally do anything about it because of the way this country's laid out because you do have the brakes then you do have the shinnery when the shinnery puts on leaves you can't even see the pigs i mean they they're they're shorter than 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 the shinnery so mm -hmm. you don't even you can't ever see them even moving through unless they just cross an opening in front of you uh so and of course that's in the springtime and what do we have in the springtime i mean by the time spring and summer's come along they've already got two litters hit the ground and you know, I'm I'm pretty sure they might be working on a third one if they can. <laughs> Actually, they have two, a sow will generally have two and a half litters a year, and by the time she starts on that third litter, half litter, that first litter is already pregnant and producing pigs of their own, the young of their own. So it, it it they expand not arithmetically, they expand exponentially, exponentially or yeah. I mean, in un, in untold numbers. Uh, Years ago, I spent time up here as a wildlife biologist uh, working out of Abilene when I was with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. I spent a lot of time up in this part of the country and just just to the east of here. And I asked about hogs there, and they 
would always tell me that the hogs went back initially to the early Spanish explorers that came through here. And then they were augmented by all the settlers that came in, you know, later. But years ago, the Spaniards, when they started exploring this country, and meaning Texas and elsewhere, they'd bring over a big bunch of hogs because they traveled well on, on ships. Mm-hmm. They ate anything that was there. And then they would have act, actually have like sheep, uh, like we would have sheep herders. They had swine herders that pushed these hogs everywhere they went. Whenever they needed a hog or something to eat, they always had something to eat. Well, of course, a lot of these hogs got away. And I mean, we had a lot of areas where there was a fair amount of, of uh, acorn or mass mm-hmm. crops and they did well. And then the settlers came in and the Comanches would raid take away the horses, the cattle, and sometimes kill the people and leave the hogs. Leave the hogs. <laughs> <laughs> and so they expanded over a long period of time as well, too. But the hog, hogs, to me, are something that they're here. Yeah. We're, they're, we're never going to get rid of them. No. Uh, so we just got to try to figure out how to manage, you know, around them. Well, you know, we, 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 we trap year-round. Right, right. And, I mean... One year, the first year when we decided we were going to trap, in a matter of three months, we trapped almost 450 hogs. Wow. <laughs> you know, and, Good gosh. And I mean, and that was that was just the ones that weighed over 100 pounds. Right. I mean, and then I got to asking questions about my trapper. I said, well, what do you do with the little ones? He said, I'm just starting them back out. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> well, he was helping the problem, but then he was just recreating the problem by letting all the little ones go. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, we've since corrected that problem. We don't have that anymore. But uh, you know, they they're still they're still here. And yeah, there's no lack of them. You start looking, you know, like we're riding around today, and it's just amazing how many hogs or hog tracks you see and trails you see, and you know where they've turned over the ground. They're your personal aerators. Berkeley areas. <laughs> I mean, you see holes everywhere. I mean, you might not see the pigs, but you can tell they've been here. Oh, yeah. I mean, they tear up the ground big time. Uh, although Brian did kill a hogzilla. He, he did. That that one hog that you shot was exceptional in terms of size. Yeah, he was a pretty good size hog. And he was actually uh, pretty athletic because when I saw him, he was inside the feeder fence. He had jumped the fence. And he was under the feeder eating. And uh, Trey and I, my guide, we got up on this hill. And I was able to shoot down into it um, over the fence. <clears throat> and when I shot him, he uh, got up on his hind legs, twisted around, and he ran towards the back of the feeder. And he leapt that fence. And I saw the cedar behind the fence right. just go down. <laughs> and then he disappeared, and we, we tracked him and finally found him. But, yeah, he was a pretty good runner. They are. You know, people don't realize, we used to run with dogs every once in a while, and they can go great distances. Most oh, people yeah. think, like, sure. you know, they, they've got a fast burst of speed for just a short mm-hmm. period of time, and then but they've got stamina to go for a long time. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've seen groups of pigs run just straight-up inclines, never slow down. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there with my rifle saying, okay, as soon as they slow down, I'm going to shoot. They don't slow down. <laughs> no, no. That pan that, that he jumped is about three foot high. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Craig shot one one day that was in a pen, and it was a big old boar. And it kind of spun around, and he shot it again, and it turned and ran and jumped the fence like it was never there. 
I've never seen one jump that high. Kind of. And speaking of that, if you are hog hunting in this area, 223 is not a round of choice no. for a hog. No, definitely They shake not. it off like it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, bringing that to a story, we, we shot a hog one day over here by the house and shot him with a 222 and thought he was dead. And he laid there and laid there. Four days later, that hog got up and walked, walked away. away. <laughs> he, he, he worked his way over and got to the water. And in four days, he got up and he left. This And never, hmm. haven't seen him since. So, you know, when you're talking about hogs, they're, they breed like crazy. They're tougher than iron. And they're dead gun smart, too. People don't know how smart a hog is, but those things are very, very intelligent. Yeah, you start putting any kind of hunting pressure on it, and by golly, they are educated in, in a tremendous hurry. hurry. In a hurry. They yeah. go night, nighttime pigs. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even for traps. I mean, if, you, if they get in a trap more than once, you're lucky because they... They figured it out real quick. Or if they, uh, we've been trying to trap hogs on my little place, and it seemed like if they see another hog in a trap, they'll avoid that area. They will. It's like they, they, they know. Okay, don't don't try to get any feed out of this area right here. Yeah. No, it's it, it's crazy how smart they are. It is. What for somebody that's saying that you? What, what would you recommend somebody use in terms of? of you know, of a, of a caliber or a round. Uh, you know, I'm gonna have to say, you know, you got to start at the 243 better or better. You know, go go to the bigger rounds, and you know, and I mean, I know a lot of people are talking about a 450 Grundle, and or as I don't even know if that's the name or not. But I've heard people talking about they want me to buy one, and, and I'm like, why? You know, a hundred yard gun doesn't work for me. But I guess <laughs> if you want to get that close to them and you want to mess with them. Then feel free, but I mean a two forty three or a bigger round, you know, getting into the thirty calibers is darn sure. If you want to knock them down and you want to recover them, then then you're going to have to use use a better round than than, than that. Yeah, for sure. Well, you mentioned the hundred yard thing. There's a lot of places out here that you may not get a hundred yards within that hog. That's right. That's right. Not only they're you know they they're giving credit for having you know unbelievable sense of smell which they do. they do but then they go well they can't hear very well and they can't see very well and oh gosh i've seen hogs pick me up at two three hundred yards away and where i was just barely moving along all of a sudden you see them pick up their head and they'll look right in your direction next thing you know is turn around and they're gone they're kind gone, of thing yeah. so uh, maybe it's well, some hogs. Maybe some hogs can't see very well. There are a few of these hogs get around that do see. They see. Well. They, they see. You know. I I think it's more at the point that they may not care at that time. I think that's a big part of it, right? Because if there's food, they're gonna their mind's gonna go to food first. But the flight is a second yes. nature to them. But I mean, I had one running along beside me today, and he was making a beeline right to the feeder, and. All of a sudden, he stops, turns, and looks and sees the truck, right. and he just turned. And I mean, and we're talking five hundred yards away, but you see him actually stop, turn, face to pick up, and then turn and go the opposite direction, even though he was headed right to to a feeder. He's like, "No, nope, that's not what I want. I'm going the other way." <laughs> I mean, it was about probably a two hundred, two hundred fifty pound boar. Yeah. So, 
Was he going to the feeder that Brian was in? No. Okay. <laughs> you just thought you'd ask, right? I just figured I'd ask. Yeah. You know, okay. Maybe he knew Brian was there. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you're getting quite a reputation here, by God, whether you realize it or not, uh, when it comes to wild hogs. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, hogs are my favorite animal to hunt. Um, and why is that? Well, first of all, you can hunt them all year. Yes. Uh, you know, I grew up in the upper Midwest, Wisconsin, Michigan, and, uh, you know, our big season there is the deer season, but like in Wisconsin, our deer gun season is nine days. Yes, sir. I know it's very short. That's it. And that's kind of what I grew up with. And then, you know, as I got older and I come down to Texas and start hunting hogs, you know, I was completely dumb about it. I, you know, we'd be on a ranch. I remember the first time I was in Texas and I said to the guide, I said, uh, how many hogs can I shoot? And he said, how much ammunition do you have? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh. <laughs> exactly. We're going to be here for days. I, you know, pretty much right there, I was like, this is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that's part of it. You can do it all season. Yes, um, and you can do so many different ways of the hunting. You know, I've hunted them with ARs, bolt actions, uh, handguns, crossbows. Killed one with a knife. I don't want to do that again, but I did it. Um, and really, my favorite is night hunting with thermal or night vision. That is just really cool to me to, to be able to go out at night and scan and find hogs and you know put a stalk on them and boom, boom, boom. It's, it's just a lot of fun, and so I just keep doing it. It is. I've, I've hunted them so many different ways and taken them with so many different things over the years but you're right it, 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 I love the fact that they're in Texas we're pretty much covered with hogs there are right. very few right. areas in, including maybe some of the big downtown cities that have hogs kind of thing but uh, so that can be hunted year round that's one of the beauties about these places here my deal is always as a wildlife biologist I love to hunt hogs but I always wanted to do it on property that I didn't manage for some of the other species kind <laughs> right. of thing and these days, that's an impossibility almost to, to try to, to set up a management program almost anywhere in Texas without having to figure out some way of how we're going to deal with hogs, particularly mm -hmm. in, in with, with numbers kind of thing. I've watched those things where we planted food plots, particularly when it was like a legume, like a pea, and they could plow a straighter row than we could with a tractor, oh, you know, sure. taking the seeds out and going individual seed, individual seed kind of thing. Yeah, we deal with that pretty regular. Yeah. You know, this year, food plots went in twice. Um, you know, and, you know, you plant and get that perfect little low rain and everything comes up and, man, those hogs will go in there and they'll they'll knock out a five-acre food plot overnight. Overnight, yes, sir. And yeah, it overnight. looks like you never planted anything in there. So that's, that's a reoccurring problem that we have every single year. Um mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how to fix that problem. Well, I, I wish just I more what you're doing. I think is about <laughs> all we can do. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's. I wish we had a few more answers for the hog problem, but uh, wish ammunition was cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> and and at these days, wish it was more readily available. available yeah, like, period. Yeah. Compared to what it was. True. Yeah, because I mean, past. I don't even want to shoot pigs a whole lot anymore because I mean that's. It's my ammo. I mean, right. you know, and and you know, once you blow through it, if you don't reload, then you don't find anymore. No, so you just no. got to put that gun in the 
bought and be done with it for that while. It's one of the reasons we need to get Hornady involved we here. To get Hornady involved. My gosh. Okay, Steve, Jason, by golly, we need. Even if you, just, even if you just bring the ammunition, we can handle it from there. But we'll, we'll work you a special trade. Right? Special trade, you bet, you bet. Let's, let's. We need to develop an AR bow. Oh, yeah, you guys, I know you're a big bow hunter, and I know Craig's done some bow hunting as well, too. So, uh, well, you know, I, I didn't find a whole lot of flint out here, but I did right. see a few and not a whole lot of straight shafts that you no. can use for an arrow either. But, but there are some rocks, I guess, that can be sharpened or something like that. You know, scenery hunter, you know, you look for a rock and there's not any. No, there's no, there, there is none there. Craig, David told a story about you. Have you got a story that you might want to tell about him that deals with hunting since we got you two sitting across the table from each other? You know, I don't, uh, the stories I have on him are more about good shots and things like that, so I'm just going to leave those to the imagination. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell anything. Too, the stories that I have on him are too bad to get on the podcast. <laughs> Anything. We don't need to go into those. No, we don't need to go into those. We don't need to go into those. We don't need to go into those. We We were on the side of the hill. Well, yeah, that was, that was pretty graphic. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one of those left to the imagination yeah, no, things. No, I mean, it wasn't a bad deal. I mean, he had shot a, a mule deer doe with his bow, and and uh, I decided, I told him, uh, well, she had run off, and I said, well, I'm going to climb up here on the side of this cliff, and I'm going to... I'll watch, and if I see her moving out in front of you, I'll tell you where she's at. Well, I'm sitting up there, and then all of a sudden, I see the doe get up and move, and, it, and he's right in front of him. Well, the next thing I know, all I see is somebody that hunted in white tennis, Nike tennis shoes. I'll try it. A white shoes. Well, a white shoes. A white shoes a, archer. I hunter, and all you see is him grab this doe and he has a boot knife from somewhere and then you see the glint of the sun shining on the knife blade <laughs> as he's stabbing this deer rather than shooting it again he puts his bow down and he grabs the deer and he just starts stabbing it so don't need to mess up another arrow don't need to mess up another arrow but but we didn't get the the uh, white shoes bloody that day no, did you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we. we I couldn't we, get an arrow to knock. I don't know if I was just overexcited or what. But I'll be darned. She was leaving, and I thought, you know what, I can catch her pretty quick. <laughs> and, and he I, did. You know, I caught her. Yeah, yeah. And when I finally rolled over after it was all over, I roll over on my back to catch my breath, and he's on the side of the cliff, rolling, laughing to death. <laughs> And I was like, well, that wasn't too fun, but... Uh, I was not going to help. No, no, no. Heavens, no. He had it well in hand, right? Well in hand. Yeah, well, he, 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 he didn't want to embarrass him by a little extra help or anything. But I will tell you a Havelina story about... We were quail hunting for a blue quail in Fort Stockton. Known as and Blue Runners, right? Yes, blue oh, runners. yes. Blue, the speed demons. And Craig was about six or seven, maybe. And, you know, of course, I was 10, 11, something like that. I really don't remember what age we were, but I had a 20-gauge pump, Ithaca, with no plug in it because it's quail season. Right, exactly. 
And we get up, we follow these quubs aside this cliff, and there's, they're gone. And my dad looks down, and he's like, well, look at this little javelina right here. And he picks the javelina up, and it starts squealing. Yes. And the next thing we know, there was a cave we didn't see, and here comes the javelina <laughs> pouring out. And they, my dad kicks the first one because it's going at my dad. My little brother's climbing up my dad's back to get away. Understandable. And when my dad kicked the first one, it turned and came at me, and I literally shot it at my feet. And when it was all said and done, I had five dead javelina around me that were attacking me. And my dad couldn't do nothing because Craig was on top of his head. <laughs> and when it was all said and done... My dad still had the piglet in his hand. And the whole time. It wasn't breathing. <laughs> he and he set, oh, it, he set it down, and he was like, oh, well. And he, he started pressing on it, and it started breathing, and it got up and it's walked off. Those Avalanches can be fun. Oh, I mean, yeah. They, yeah. They can really be quote-unquote fun in those kind of situations. So, uh, I guess at that particular time, I killed more than my two a year. Yeah. But, well, that, I think we're so ex- you know, people a little bit different circumstances. Exactly. And I suspect the statute limitations would probably run out right. as well, too. <laughs> that was a pretty exciting time there that time. I'll never forget that, ever. Uh, I think that's one of the great things about the outdoors is that all the great memories that can be accumulated and some that are the stories are repeatable and some of them are questionable, <laughs> questionable. whether or not they should be repeated exactly. and some probably never should be repeated in those kind of yes. circumstances, under certain circumstances at least we're going to close this thing out a little bit before we do Brian if somebody wants to learn more about your writing and those kind of things which is the best way to get in touch with you or, or where would you recommend that they go to 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 see some of your writing. You've already mentioned some of the publications, but is there any one specifically that you'd like to mention or maybe a couple of them? And then how can they get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more about your writing? Um, well, American Hunter Online, if you just go to there and put my name in the search engine, McCombie. Right. A lot, lot of stuff will come up. Hunter's Leadership Forum also, dot com. Uh, or just Google my name. It, um, you know, I do it every once in a while to see, you know, who's, who's <laughs> stolen what. <laughs> that I understand, fortunately. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just put Brian McCombie into Google or Brian McCombie Guns or Brian McCombie Hogs. <laughs> a lot of stuff Brian will come McCombie up. Brian McCombie Hogs, I like that. A lot of stuff should come up. Perfect. Well, thank you very much yeah. for joining us today, and thank you for letting me share camp with you. It's been an absolute pleasure, oh, I've sir. I've enjoyed it too, Larry. Thanks so much for having me on. Look forward to the next time of it. Okay, Craig, if somebody wants to learn more about uh, Hargrove hunts, Hargrove ranches, uh, we've talked about several species that you have. We didn't get into turkey, and we'll try to get Eddie on board there again. We want to talk about Eddie Stevenson, who's a, kind of the turkey fanatic out of this oh. whole bunch. But uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you uh, or the, the ranch? The ranch, well, actually, I mean, anything that they do is pretty much connected to me. Uh, right. So, you know, Facebook. Hargrove Hunts, you know, on Facebook. Hargrove Hunts on Instagram. Uh, www.hargrovehunts.com. And then um, my email is craig at hargroveinsurance.com. Not Hargrove Hunts, but hargroveinsurance.com. 
and then uh, my phone, cell phone, and uh, that's uh, area code 325-660-4274. You mind repeating that one more time? Area code 325-660-4274. And I understand that your compadre brother here is retired from where he was previously doing a bunch of work, so you're going to be spending a little bit more time, I assume? Yes, sir. I'm now here? full-time here. So. Oh, shucks! <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, going to be building more deer blinds, making sure everything's running. It's been actually kind of nice this time. We haven't had any complaints. Uh, had any breakdown. Uh, it would have been sure. nice, had not it? Everything's good. Corn's running good. Uh, scouting's been almost to a T, so... Uh, other than the mule deer hiding underneath a cedar bush, <laughs> everything's been great. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy working here. Well, I've, we've got one more day before the mule deer season is over with for the year here, so we're going to give it a, our best try tomorrow to see if we can find We've not had, I, I should say, we've had many, many opportunities at very nice bucks. Unfortunately, we're looking for something that's that upper end here. Right. And, uh, but we've seen a few of those as well too. Just haven't, I haven't been able to put it together. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what tomorrow brings, and and uh, I'm gonna put my name on the list to be here again next year. Outstanding, love to have you. I can't wait, gentlemen. Thank y'all for joining us today, and and hopefully we we'll get past all this COVID mess that's going on, and we'll be able to all spend more time outdoors and a little bit more time traveling. And that being the case, look forward to seeing everybody at the DSC, the Dallas Safari Club Convention. February 11th through 14th and you can learn more about that by going to www.bigame.org thank y'all for joining us DSC's Untamed Heritage is also brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association working for tomorrow's wildlife today Wildlife Systems serving hunters and landowners since 1987. Kenetrek Boots, for the trail less traveled. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Pyramid Air, your one stop for everything air gun. 